Alright, let's get back into it. This is the Pinball and Cool Stuff Podcast. Back to back. What kind of world are we living in? Am I taking crazy pills? Nope. No, no, yes. This is a back to back day after day podcast. First one in a long time. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ian Rodriguez and this is episode 124. We're talking about things we look forward to today. And a little bit of notes about some spooky updates, some YouTube videos they had created. Pardon the air conditioning running in the background. I'm in the Central California lowlands right now at a job site visit, and it is hot. So um, I'm running. I'm sitting in the car waiting for a uh, an engineer to show up, and I'm just uh, waiting. So here I figured I'd get to my notes now, the ones that I'd promised to be here in the next 10 days or so. So um, I have some unfortunate news, and I'm not sure if it's really valid or confirmed, but it looks like the Museum of Pinball owner is selling the museum and selling all the games. So it may be that we're witnessing the end of an era, the end of the Museum of Pinball as we know it. And uh, again, I can't confirm it, but I'm just hearing these rumblings, and there's news in the newspapers, and it seems like the Museum of Pinball will not, in fact, be opening up in Palm Desert or Palm Springs. Rather, it will be liquidating, and I'm just hoping it's not true, but it seems like it may very well be. Very, very sad. Very unfortunate. In the span of 12 months, we lose Pinburg, we lose the Replay Effects Foundation, and now it seems like we're losing the Museum of Pinball. Maybe some millionaire will step in and buy the collection and start his own museum. Uh, Don't hold your breath. Anyway, kind of a bummer. Can't say that a lot of us are just, I can say a lot of us are just disappointed and sad. And we're going to miss what we had there. We're going to miss everything about it. So I'll keep you updated. It, uh, you know, it's kind of a fluid situation. But... Things are not looking good. All right, so what can we look forward to if we don't have the museum events to look forward to and we don't have anything to look forward to here in California as we speak? Well, I guess we can go to Vegas and go play at the Pinball Hall of Fame. That's something to look forward to. We've got to appreciate our blessings, appreciate what we have instead of dwelling on what we don't. So, Vegas is a thing. We're going to be doing it hopefully soon. Maybe I'll just gather the whole Museum of Pinball tech team and say, we're all going to rent a big house out in Vegas and spend five days there. And we're going to go hang out at the Hall of Fame like it's old times, like it's our museum. Maybe they'll be into that. I don't know. Sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a good idea. A fun three or four, maybe four day adventure. I think somebody might die of alcohol poisoning if we go for five. So I'll cut it at four just for liability purposes. All right. So my notes today, as I promised... There are a bunch of new games coming out in the end of July. You may not know this, but Allentown, Pennsylvania is holding their show. Canada reported all this, but kind of public knowledge. I just took notes from his show because he provides a ton of good updates. So Allentown is end of July. Um, we got Cactus Canyon coming in the end of July. So we're looking at 30 days out. American Pinball, end of July. Stern, end of July? Question mark. I don't know. Godzilla, let's hope. I think they will. I've said it before, so Elwin, batter up. Uh, spooky by the end of July. That's interesting. I was looking 
at the new game that they showed the underside of the playfield for. And it's understood that the game will have two playfields, or excuse me, two upper playfields. All right, so you got three total playfields, probably at least four flippers, right? Um, so people are kind of speculating and creating designs and 3D models of what they think the game will look like. I don't know what the game's going to look like, but here's what I do know. You have three consecutive scoops, it looks like, on one side of the playfield, shooting from the flippers up into three consecutive scoops, lined up perfectly on the, I think it's the left side. And I, I don't understand that design. It's kind of weird. It takes up a good third of the left side, right, all the way up to the top part of the playfield, and it's just whole, so... Man, they better have something good there because if it's just three scoops all lined up perfectly that are static and a subway delivering the ball down somehow, um, I don't know, man, three holes in a row. I've never seen it. Maybe it's going to be a revolution, but uh, I'm a little bit skeptical. I'm not sure that'll be a highly desirable playfield design feature, but we'll see. There's a couple fun images on Pinside that Twip has cross-referenced this Monday. And you can go have a look at them there. They're interesting. Um, I liked Alice Cooper's upper play field, so it looks like they may be going back to that style or that sort of placement. I hope they do. That was a really good one. And it functioned. Not to mention it had a chrome flipper bat, right? That, nothing beats chrome. Nothing. So in the same vein, so Spooky um, released a YouTube video regarding the issues that they're having with their rails. Uh, I guess, excuse me, the ball guides on their playfields. Their playfields themselves, the flippers, the power source, um, all these problems that they've had, and the fact that people have had to drill into their playfields to create the game as it should function and to modify it, which I've belabored heavily on the show. Um, they're talking about their new three level tiered gaming you know, release coming up for the next game. Uh, they're talking about. Uh, they're going to sell as many as are ordered. So there's no limited edition per se. They're not limiting it to a certain number. They're just going to sell as many games as are bought. So I don't know if it's 750, but it seems like that's their number. And as, until they get to 750, they won't sell, stop selling any model. Uh, I think that's kind of a good approach, actually. Late July release, of course. Um, my question is, why, why have the Fang Club? What's the benefit of the Fang Club? If we all know that they're going to sell or at least have demand in excess of their 750 and you're number 760 on the fan club list, you may not get a shot at that game. Um, let's say you're number 1,000 on the fan club, you're probably not going to get a shot at that game. And if you're number 1,500, you can kiss it goodbye. You're not buying new inbox spoofy. So it is kind of a bummer um, that there are, you know, obviously more than 750 members who will all want a piece of that pie in the new game release, if for no other reason than to flip the game or to hold it and speculate on value. That's what this hobby has become in, in some respects, right? People holding new in box and just saying, I can make five grand if I keep it in my garage the next, let's say, 12 months, right? Um, I find it interesting because that enhances the demand for new in box significantly. So these games are going to be gone in the next, you know, three hours after announcement or opening of orders. And uh, don't expect any shot at getting a new inbox uh, spooky game. Just don't expect it. Um, Alright, so I don't... If it's still a 10-month wait for a game in addition to the Fang Club limited, I guess the limited release or limited production that they're offering, that's another kind of factor against 
I guess, the idea of even owning a new inbox. So there's a lot of things to think about with Spooky. You're probably not going to get a new inbox. If you do, you're looking at 10 months, possibly, um, probably more like a year. Um, so if you're willing to hold on a non-refundable purchase price or a non-refundable deposit, however they wind up doing it, then you will have your Spooky, perhaps. You, you may have it. But uh, there's just no guarantees. Um, interestingly, I was listening to Flippin' and Mashin' Pinball Podcast. Uh, they were talking about Spooky's Rick and Morty. They were they were talking about something that I had, had I don't think I'd heard yet. First of all, it was, was the ball guide on the shooter lane. So there's like a little rail that guides the ball out of the shooter lane into the play field, right? So it kind of jumps it, kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean by Jersey Jack. And it was a bent wire form. So it looks like the design, you know, as designed, the wire form doesn't hold up to thousands of plunges. The wire form, in fact, starts to bend and become sort of coiled. So it completely blocks the shooter lane. You must buy a mod to make this right. So another design defect in material, really a shortcoming of the material they used, but I don't understand how they could have ever play tested it and not found that out, so I don't believe they did. Um, I know they certainly didn't play test individual games. But uh, it's interesting to me that you're now having to buy mods to rectify factory parts and replace them. I don't know of, shoot, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but I don't know of any game I've ever owned that I've had to buy a aftermarket part to replace a factory part that wasn't actually provided by the factory as a sort of a recall effort or a repair effort because they knew the design was deficient. So that's that's another big time bummer. Um, so yeah, they also talk about drilling holes in the playfield to manipulate the ball guides, that coming from the upper right flipper, which everybody already knows about. So yeah, I uh, hope the next game they release doesn't require power drills, impact drivers, saws, sanders, uh, wire benders, pipe benders, wire snippers, uh, hacksaws, or any other sort of abrasives or blades to get this game right. I think uh, our expectations now are that we won't have to chop, bend, heat, weld, twist, turn, manipulate, or otherwise alter our new in-box pinballs that we paid $10,000 for. I think that's a fair assumption and a fair expectation as new in-box buyers. Anyway, all right, let's stop talking about Spooky's terrible designs and their poor manufacturing in QC, and let's talk about Mondo LEs that are selling 13 to 15 grand. 13 to 15 grand, here they go. I talked about it before, but man, I just can't believe it. Here's the good news also. Something to look forward to is I can go to Pinball Expo in Chicago and go see all these new releases we just talked about and go play them all. I hope that the manufacturers set up their booths there. It's going to be local to Jersey Jack and Stern at least. And I'm hoping also to get a chance to do a factory tour at Jersey Jack Pinball while I'm up there too. Maybe they'll open it up and let me in. I don't know. Do I have to show them my GNR receipt? Maybe that's worth the... Uh, with the tour right there. <laughs> Interesting. I can't wait. I hope I get a chance to do that. But I'm excited to play these new titles at Pinball Expo. I'm excited for all the glory of pinball shows to be back. I'm just very, very excited. It is, what, July, August, September, four months away, just under four months away. It's coming. It's coming. All right. So the last few notes here before I get off. I've got to get back to work after all. Um, so the... Uh, the speculation, I think it's from Canada, is that American Pinball's new game might be Beetlejuice. 
We all know Chris Franchi's working for American, that he's already done an art package or a mock-up for Beetlejuice and that he loves Beetlejuice. Maybe that's the case, but I keep hearing that it's two unlicensed pins coming from AP uh, in the next two games. So there's a couple of conflicting stories there. Beetlejuice doesn't do anything for me. I already talked about that, but anyway. P3 has a new game, of course, the licensed theme with Scott Denisi's music. That's coming out. There was a cool little mini game that Nick Baldridge, I believe, sent out just now. It's on Twip today. I forget what it's called. It's like about this neighborhood thing. Um, he wrote another game. He coded another game. Really rad. It's for the Heist Playfield. It's got Scott Denisi's music on it as well. So Scott Denisi now in bed with Multimorphic, doing well. I'm glad he's found a good spot there and that they, they can use him. And I'm also glad that he's, that he's staying in pinball because his music is pretty cool. And I think it's appealing. You know, there's certain games and attitudes that need, that fit perfectly with his music. And I appreciate electronic music. And I'm, I know Scott is a pretty much a mastermind of the music. Um, even if he's not, you know, the playfield designer of the century, everybody has their talents. Everybody has their talents. All right. So let's see. Why are we ignoring that the games are unplayable? <laughs> These are my other questions for my notes. I'm just trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, what? Here's a question for you. And, and there's a big debate going on right now about JJP and Stern, and mostly JJP, saying, oh, they're, they're a terrible company. They're not offering anybody anything for their busted-up playfields. Let me just say this. My playfield is perfect on my GNR. There's no chipping, no pooling, no scratches, no dents, no nothing. I have some decal damage that I hope they work out. I'm hoping they work out. It's like two scratches on the decals. It's negligible, but I hope they send me some replacements in case I decide to replace them. Um, but the game is playable. All right? Um, Spooky is the only game that is shipping games that cannot be played. All right? The double standard is real. JJP and Stern are being demonized where Spooky is being hailed. Spooky is even being applauded for admitting these defects and these, these faults. And I'm not saying, you know, raise them over the coals and let's skewer them and nail them and they, sh they don't deserve to be in business. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that everybody's like, oh, pr bravo for Spooky. They're telling us what they did wrong. Nobody needs to tell me what JJP and Stern did wrong. Because you can look at it and say, okay, those are bad play fields. There are some bad play fields. But you can't tell me that a company that's shipping you a game that you can't even play as it was designed is doing right by its customers. So let's have a little bit of perspective here and understand that Spooky is not some angel. They're sending us games that aren't QC tested. They're sending us games whose flip flippers aren't even lined up and aren't even screwed on tight. They're sending us games whose ball guides do not provide any flow and any intended design playability. And they, in fact, are hardly playable upon shipping. So I'll take a little pooling on my star post over a game I can barely flip. I'll take a little chipping around my star post, a little mini chip out of there that I can barely see with the naked eye over a game whose shots do not function. A game has to be playable before you can start complaining about the playfield defects, everybody. I hope everybody recognizes that, and I hope Spooky doesn't continue to get a pass on sending us games that can't even be played out of the box as they designed them to be played. That's questionable to me. Everybody needs to remember that's a real thing, all right? I think Spooky should not ship games that, sh that cannot be played. Spooky should play every game and find out if those angles are right, the ball guides are correct, etc. Instead of just sticking them together and screwing the, the ball guides in and then kind of putting everything on there and sending it, see you later. Not our problem anymore. It is your problem. It's everybody's problem when they don't make it their own problem. 
then everybody starts bitching and moaning and and I just don't get it but um, yeah no more unplayable games let's ship games that actually can be played I'm rooting for it let's go spook let's go spooky next game next game I know you can do it here's your big chance anyway I don't want to be negative I just want to make sure that everybody knows that playfield issues dimpling pooling slight shipping are not making the game unplayable you can still play it and I mean I get the nitpickiness of like oh well I want a perfect game and no scratches no nothing but stuff happens right even a small manufacturing operation like a pinball machine company is gonna have defects on occasion in the manufacturing of certain elements of the game so we have to understand that manufacturing is not perfect a thousand percent of the time and indeed it can't be there are gonna be some defects what I reported on Pinside was I was glad my game came playable, came beautiful, came without any chips or anything like that. I hope it holds up. Wonka has held up pretty well. I'm looking forward to seeing how GNR does, but I don't expect any different result with this new game. Very excited to put a thousand games on it in the next six months and then see where I stand then. I'll come back and report the latest. For now, Pinball and Cool Stuff Podcast has to go. God bless you. Have a great day.